Hi, my name is Alan. I'm a business designer and welcome to the Beyond Users podcast, where we learn about business to become better designers who not only solve user challenges, but also achieve business goals. In the 13th episode, I spoke with Fabricio, who is a design director at the digital product agency Work & Co. He's also the founder of the UX Collective, which you've probably heard of. It's one of the best resources that combines blog posts, links, and resources for UX designers. Each year, they release uh, the State of the UX report, and in 2018, they wrote something that really intrigued me. So what they wrote is, the UX designers of 2018 will need to understand more about business. So of course, I reached out to Fabrizio to learn more about the backstory of this statement, and also to see how did his path to becoming more business savvy look like. Apart from that, in the episode, we spoke about the simple exercise that Fabrizio uses with his team to start building their business muscle and business knowledge, how sharing knowledge is actually the best way to learn and how you can also advance your career and how it actually advanced Fabricio's career. And we concluded with recognizing the future trends in the UX community. So in other words, how you can recognize the big trends and actually get ready for the changes. Just one more thing before diving into the episode. I've recently created an email course called Measuring Design, where I explain what are design metrics and how you can use them to measure your design work. And not only that, but also how you can present it to non-designers to basically show the value of your work. It's a free five-day email course with a nice framework that I call Design Metric Canvas that you can use on your projects. So to get access to the course, please head to beyondusers.com. And now, without further ado, here is a conversation with Fabricio. Okay, Fabricio, let's start with learning. Like, how did you get into design? Why did you choose it? Uh, okay, I don't know if I chose it. Uh, I, I went to school actually for advertising back in Brazil, mm-hmm. uh, which is where I'm from. I remember... Um, that I was in high school and I was really good at writing and I really enjoyed uh, computers and technology. So everybody would tell me, you know, oh, you should work in advertising, you know, you're going to have <laughs> the best of both worlds and it's going to be amazing. So at the time, I feel like I had this vision, this dream of working in a big uh, advertising agency until uh, one day a friend of mine referred me to this internship position at uh, Isobar Brazil. At the time, it was like the biggest digital agency in the country uh, to work as a, an information architect. And I had no idea what that was. Uh, all I knew is that uh, the requirements for that position were you'd have to be organized and you'd have you have to be able to deal with great amount, great amounts of information. Um, so I was like, "Oh, that sounds like me." So I remember, uh, yeah, I remember myself like the day before the interview, kind of googling everything I could possibly find about information architecture to try to prepare for the interview. Um, you know, learning things about wireframes and what a sitemap is. Uh, but it, it was really my <laughs> first time doing like any of that. Um, 
but it was good. I mean, I, I, I passed the interview. Uh, it was great. It was kind of a, the interview itself. And I remember I did like a, a design exercise at the time as part of the interview process. That was a big realization moment for me because I realized, okay, this is what I want to do. Uh, and this is what I like. And then, yeah, after that, I've been working, I don't know, the last 13, 14 years doing exactly that, like thinking about um, how things work and how people navigate, uh, you know, interfaces. Uh, so it was great. It was, uh, yeah, I feel like I fell in love with design kind of as an accident. Um, and I've been working in, the, uh, in design since then. Mm -hmm. I think many people who have started with the design like 10 years ago, kind of uh, bumped into it by accident because it was just not that well known, right? Yeah. Um, but what I'm wondering is like, now looking back, what do you think are the skills that you need to be kind of talented for design? Yeah, it's funny. I I mean, I, I have a, an advertising background, so I learned a little bit of design in school. But really, what made a difference for me was really the like this ability of, you know, being organized and make sense of, you know, huge amounts of information. And um, I was kind of learning the specific design craft as I was doing it. Uh, it, it's not that I had like this super strong background in design or anything. Um, I think design ultimately is about solving problems and um, the design craft, I feel like it's almost like a consequence of that, right? Once you know exactly the problem you're trying to solve, then um, you'll figure out the tools you need and the specific techniques you're going to use to accomplish that, I feel like. Mm. Your career also led you later to teaching UX. How how has that experience been for you? Uh, it was been pretty natural. I feel like I've always had this um, almost like an instinct or a necessity of sharing what I'm what I'm learning back to the community, and I feel like teaching UX um, and UX strategy as being a natural part of that process. So just for context, I've, um, I have this, I've been in this partnership with Miami at school, both in Brazil and here in the US, where I've, I've taught a few classes on UX and um, strategy. And I think most of uh, my class is showing people how, UX is simpler than they think it is. Um, yeah, and no, seriously, I feel like there's so much, um, so much pressure on people learning UX and so many technical terms and so much jargon. And at the end of the day, it's pretty simple. Again, it's about solving problems. Um, UX specifically is about solving people's problems. And, and that's about it. If you think about it that way, you you take off a lot of the pressure, right? And, and you can focus on the work itself. And um, so it's been a pretty good experience. And, and being in the classroom, it's kind of amazing, you know, like the, the contact with the students and uh, the amount of information that I learned from them as well is pretty, it's pretty great. 
Mm. So this sounds really interesting, the simplification part specifically. How do you go about making it more simple for the students? I think, well, I think step one is removing, uh, stripping away all the jargon and all the complexity that our industry kind of intentionally puts around UX and focusing on the, you know, the core design fundam- like principles. It's, you know, if you, if you think about design, regardless of where, like what channel you're designing for or what, what's, what the audience is, it's, it all comes down to the very basic, always the same uh, design principles, you know, like things like giving people feedback on what's going on in the system and helping people understand where they are and helping people understand where they can go from here and prioritizing what's the main action you want people to to take, you know, like things like that are universal and they, they apply whether you're building a website or you are building a chatbot, like whatever it is, yeah. it, it all comes down to the same principle. So I think if you focus on those, uh, it, it just helps people. Like mm-hmm. it, it, the, the knowledge just becomes more, um, it, it lasts longer, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's easier for people to relate to so you talked about the mindset, but are there any skills that you also try to uh, teach like those uh, students? Um, no, I feel like uh, learning specific skills, there are better places they can find that information. Okay. But yeah, I mean, you can easily watch a YouTube tutorial to learn how to use a tool. You can easily download a persona template, right? Like, those things are available online. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I try not to focus too much on those things in my classes. And also, like, those things change all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, today you're learning a certain type of software, and then a few, two years from now, things have changed. Mm-hmm. And um, that knowledge gets lost, I feel like. Mm-hmm. So I think now we also have to touch upon a very interesting project that you've been running for some time. Uh, it's called uh, UX Collective, and it's a great yeah. place where UX designers can learn and uh, gain skills that we talked about now. Um, but can mm-hmm. you just talk a little bit of how this project came to be? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think you know, back to the early two thousands when I was starting in design at this advertising agency. Um, there wasn't really a lot of content available about UX, especially in Portuguese, right? My native language. So I kind of had to learn English at the same time that I was learning about user experience. So it was, it was a whole journey for me in a way. And, and as I was doing that, as I was going through that process, I started a blog where I could capture, you know, a few of the things that I was learning. Um, it's funny because... I feel like when you go through the exercise of writing the things you're learning in your own words, right? You're learning how to retell that story and you're really, I don't know, like I feel like you learn 10 times faster when you are trying to tell that story to someone else. And um, so so that's how it started really. And, and because it was one of the first blogs to 
put out so much content about UX, it kind of exploded, right? My, my reader base when I started was essentially the, I don't know, the three or four people sitting around me next next to me at work. And now it's become this huge community of designers all over, you know, not only Brazil now, all over the world. Um, and we've become, I guess, the largest medium publication about design with more than 200,000 followers. Um, so it's, yeah, it's my side project. It's my passion project as well. Right. Uh, I didn't know it just started in Brazil and then it grew from there. Yeah, yeah. At some point, I started to feel more comfortable writing in English mm -hmm. as well, and yeah, so I expanded the project uh, to pretty much everywhere right now. Mm. But I think this is a one very interesting theme: is like you know, teaching and writing, even about the things that you don't know very well yet. Just uh, I think the whole learning process is much quicker if you do that. If you also try to share that knowledge. So I think that that's yeah, a great career, yeah. also a move to make. I think so. It's and I think it's exactly how you describe. Like it's you're teaching people things that you're in the process of learning, which is it's very interesting. Like it's it, it makes the you know knowledge sharing much more collaborative because you're putting out some ideas and you're getting people's feedback. And you, you're starting a lot of conversations from there. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's great. I, I feel like one thing that has changed is that now there is a lot of content yeah. about UX, right? Uh, 10, 20, 12 years ago, there wasn't. But now there's a lot of content available. And it's all out there and it's all free. And really, all you have to do is invest some time and, and dig it up, right? Like try to yeah. find the best sources but at the same time the fact that there's a lot of content almost becomes a problem as well because now you have all this clutter and all this noise and that creates a little bit of disorientation for the designers so i feel like our mission has changed a little bit you know from being the first ones to talk about ux and design to how do we help people navigate a little bit all the noise that's out there, right? How do we, how do we curate what's the most, what are the most important things you should be reading about? What are the most important links every week mm -hmm. that you as a designer should be aware of? Uh, so that's, I feel like that's our mission right now, like giving back to the community in a more digestible way, in a more simplified way. Mm -hmm. Almost like as an editor or as a filter for this community. As a filter, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, again, because there's so much noise that exactly. as a designer, you feel overwhelmed, yeah. right? Yeah. And you're doing a great job. So um, congrats for that. Uh, I love to read uh, the newsletter that you sent out and uh, look at the links. Um, so apart from your newsletter and the Medium um, site that you have, what are your favorite maybe resources or even like specific articles that you refer to or um, share with your friends, the designer friends? I can't reveal my sources. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I, oh man, I have this, uh, I, I'm an, I'm an RSS reader, user, um, old school. So I have like probably more than 200 different sources that I read, 
pretty much every week. Um, you asked about my favorites. I, I love, it's funny because, um, my favorite writers, they don't write very often. Mm. Uh, they're usually very busy people. You know, they have this higher position in companies, certain companies, and they don't have a lot of time to write and to share. But I still follow their blogs because every time they have time, something really amazing uh, comes out of it. Um, I don't know if I, I, I can think about a specific names. I, I love uh, Subtraction from Koi Vin. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you follow him. From Adobe, I love George uh, Arango. He was one of the writers of the Polar Bear book, mm-hmm. the information architecture for the World Wide Web book, a classic. Um, yeah. So I feel like people who have been in the market for more time mm-hmm. and they have tons of knowledge to share, they just don't have time. Mm-hmm. But I'm always kind of stalking them and trying to <laughs> learn from them. Hey, but how do you, I mean, this is the problem of the UX. I always feel, I always feel like, you know, um, this year we say um, this is important and then next year, oh, okay, maybe this is not so important or it's vice versa. Um, you know, there's a lot of things happening because it's a very, uh, it's a new field and we're still kind of figuring things out. So having said that, mm-hmm. with all the confusion and all the different sources saying maybe even the opposite things, how do you actually recognize what makes sense and what you are going to take with you? Yeah, it's a, I mean, what I just described is a really big problem. Like when, when um, people keep saying that everything's important, everything's important, then nothing really is important. Right. Yeah. And um, I, I feel like one of the ways we try to do that is with our um, end of year report and I'm sure, yeah, I know you're familiar with, with uh, what we call uh, design trends. And I feel like the only, so what we do is we look at everything that has been shared and published that year and we try to summarize, okay, what are the most important topics the community is talking about this year? And I feel like the only way we're able to recognize those topics is because we're looking at a huge amount of information every day, right? We are publishing articles on our blog. We are sending the newsletter and we are, I mean, on, on my RSS reader and I'm reading a lot of stuff every, every week. So you can kind of start to see the patterns, you know, in what the community is writing about, is thinking about. So, and, and um, it's interesting because this year, one of the things we talked about in our uh, report is exactly how designers need to understand more about business. Mm-hmm. There has been, um, which, you know, aligns a lot with your podcast. And um, I think that's how you heard about me as well. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, that's, that's one example of, you know, we've, We've seen so many articles around that topic that we felt like, yeah, this is uh, definitely a trend in 2018. Mm. So exactly. So let's talk about it. I'm obviously very interested. Yeah, yeah. What, what made you, what do you think is important for designers to learn business? Why is important? Yeah. Let's start with the why and then let's um, go into the details. <laughs> well, I think as a designer, 
you want to make sure that whatever you're creating will actually see the light of day, right? You, so in a way, you have to design products that are viable from a business perspective in the first place. And if a designer you choose to not want to talk about business or to not want to understand what makes a product viable these days, then it's just going to feel like you're continuing to receive, you know, endless rounds of feedback. You know, your client or your business partners are saying, change this. No, no, change this. And it's, it's not going to make any sense for you if you understand, if you don't understand where that feedback's coming from and how, you know, the changes you're making to the product align with this broader business strategy. So I feel like understanding business almost comes from a place of survival for, for designers. Like, otherwise, you're just going to be p pushing pixels and not really understanding why you're doing it, right? So, yeah, it would feel like... Uh, and it's, it's funny because you get so much feedback that at some point, if you don't understand where that feedback's coming from, it's just going to feel like, oh, yeah, my, my stakeholders, they don't understand design, right? Oh, they don't get <laughs> my, my art. Yeah. And in reality, yeah. it's the opposite, right? The problem is that you don't understand business <laughs> at all. And uh, so I feel like, yeah, it's almost like a necessity. Mm -hmm. So I feel like a lot of um, influential designers have started to talk about this topic, the importance of learning business. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of people don't know what it means to learn business. So in your mind, like, yeah. how would you, what, what, what would you say is important for designers to learn about business? Or maybe even if you have an example of exactly from your experience uh, uh, with your team or maybe with you yourself, um, how did you actually mm -hmm. see that the lack of business is stopping you? Um, I think... The moment of truth, in a way, is when you see a designer presenting their work, right? Like when you when you see them like get in front of a room and you hear them articulate their design decisions. I feel like that's the moment where you can really gauge how deep the designer really understands the business mm -hmm. and and the business implications of whatever they're doing. Um, and the the reality is that you know to this day you still hear a lot of designers presenting work as if they were artists, right? Like you see, you hear people saying, oh yeah, I did this. I picked this color because it looked really good. Or, oh, I used this um, 3D here because it would be super cool to have a 3D when you open the app. Or I, I hate the navigation here because I didn't want it to get in the way. Like, Designers explaining their design decisions purely based on personal preferences. Um, and I feel like, you know, there's a lot of problems in that, but I can try to list them. <laughs> uh, one is probably that, you know, as a designer, you are not designing for yourself. You should be designing for an audience. So understanding your audience is, you know, step one. Another problem is that um, they don't really stop to think about how each button they move actually affect conversion and performance mm -hmm. and how it generates money for the business, right? And then I feel like another problem is that um, 
it becomes really hard to gain the trust of your clients or stakeholders or business partners if you're not able to speak their language. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there's probably more problems than that. But yeah, it covers the big I, ones. I, yeah, I feel like, yeah, it's a matter of knowing why you're doing what you're doing and also um, knowing how to talk to the people who are actually paying you <laughs> for your work. Makes sense. Makes sense. And at the end of the day, there is no user without the business, right? So there is no exactly, UX yeah. also. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but how was your experience with, with you specifically? How did you learn business? Um, by osmosis, I think. I, I I look. I don't have a specialization, an MBA, or sure, anything. sure, sure. Yeah, but that's why it's even more interesting yeah. to for me to hear how you did. Yeah, I guess. Right. I, I feel like you're coming maybe a little bit from the other exactly. side. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um. I guess I've always worked really closely with strategists. And I've also always been in the right rooms with the right people, I feel like. And that helps a lot. You know, you're always hearing and talking about business decisions. So you end up absorbing that vocabulary, the frameworks, the way of thinking. So I feel like inevitably when, you know, the next time you're in front of your computer with Sketch open with your headphones because you've talked so much about the business decisions, you will naturally start taking those things into consideration when you're moving things around the screen and when you're making like the tiniest uh, design decisions. So I guess it's just by being there, being present and participating in those conversations, right? Not um, shying away from mm -hmm. them. Did you at any point you uh, use any like resources like you said, for learning UX, you went online, tried to find articles or books. Have you done the same with the business or was it more just uh, learning on, on, on as you go? I feel like it was mostly learning as I, as I went. Uh, of course, I, will, I read a few books. I remember um, a few podcasts as well that I was like really into that talked about business. But... Um, in a, in a lighter way, you know, in a way that's more manageable for designers, I guess, to relate to. Mm. But yeah, but it was mostly by doing it or by seeing really talented people doing it, right? Makes sense. But do you remember any specific titles of the books or podcasts that you... Uh... Uh, I remember Freakonomics was yeah. a big, it was a big realization for me of 10 years ago, I don't know. And the book and the podcast and, and the blog and all that stuff. And then I feel like, so that was probably the, the starting point. And then I was searching from there and trying to find related sort uh, resources. Mm. That's a great start. I think it's a nice start because it, it's almost like a business written in a story and it's easy to get into. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very relatable, I guess. So earlier we talked about um, you being now in a manager position, so having to think about your team too. Uh, so mm -hmm. looking from this perspective, you know, what would you say is, is there any specific thing about business that you think designers have to learn? And what I'm trying to do here is, you know, also find maybe just one or two things that you think are important, you know, kind of the 20% that can get you the 80% of the benefits right away. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, so. When I'm working with my designers, I don't. I don't think I. I don't think there's a magic solution. Oh, how do you instill the business <laughs> thinking into people? Like it's not like that. I and I don't personally. I, I mean, I don't personally encourage them. Oh, you should take this MBA or anything. I. I guess similar to how I learned, right? Like by working with other people who had a business mindset, what I try to do is lead by example. So whenever our, whenever I'm working with my designers um, and we are discussing, let's say, you know, multiple options for a design, how we're designing a screen, um, I always try to help them list not only the pros and cons for from the user's perspective, but also mm-hmm. from the business perspective, right? And I has, and I guess when you start doing that several times over and over and over in front of people, you start to train their brains to think beyond just the usability best practices. And um, on the other hand, though. Um, I don't, I don't think you need to be an expert in business, right? There's always going to be the business owners responsible for making the final business decisions. I think this whole conversation about uh, having designers learn about business, it's just to make them better designers, right? It's not to turn them into business people necessarily. Um, I mean, you are a designer and over the course of your career, you've achieved a lot of success because you are a good designer, right? There's a reason why you have the job you have and why you love doing the thing you do. So I, 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 I try to be mindful of not um, trying to convince people to become business people, I think. Um, it's, just, it's similar in a way to uh, the million-dollar question that keeps coming up every week, like, should designers code? Mm-hmm. I don't think they should. I mean, they should learn how to code. Uh, they should learn how code works. But that's so that can so they can become better designers, right? It's not that suddenly expect them to be coding all day. It's more about as a designer. I feel like learning how to code is more about understanding the materials you're using, right, to build the experiences you're envisioning. Um, and kind of understanding so, the implications yeah. of your work for business and technological layers of the company, right? Exactly, because that's going to ultimately generate better designs or designs that have a better chance of um, surviving, you know, and seeing the light of day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I always try to be mindful of not um, obsessing about any of this business Peace. Yeah, makes sense. I think a big part of it is actually being willing to think about it and then um, having enough experience or maybe seeing enough uh, exercises like you're doing with your team to start thinking about mm-hmm. these things and to be aware of uh, what the implications are and having the vocabulary to explain it. So totally on board yeah. with that. Yeah, I like to, to tell my team like sometimes knowing business it's almost like an exercise of empathy, right? We talk about empathy a lot these yeah. days. And essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to put yourself in the shoes of your marketing peers, mm-hmm. of the CEO of your company, right? Like what motivates them? 
What are the KPIs, right? If you a designer, you as a designer, you start to use your empathy skills and you start to put yourself in those positions more often, I feel like you will eventually start making more informed and more strategic decisions. But it's really about putting yourself in other people's shoes, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. Can you walk me through that example of, uh, you know, having... Is there any concrete example that you can share of uh, you with your team working on a design and then discussing the advantages and disadvantages of um, for the customers and then also for the business, you know, just to get a sense of how it works and looks like in, in, in practice? Yeah, I, I can think of a, I can't think of a specific example, but I can talk through how we do it. Um, and it's essentially, I feel like, As designers, our, our instinct is to always push for the user, mm -hmm. right? And as we are discussing, you know, why we made the decisions that we made in a certain design, we're always explaining, you know, oh, because as a user, I want to be able to do this or because I, want to, I wanted to make sure that users know how to navigate this screen or they know what to do next or they know what's going on right like it's it's always about putting the user in the center and um usually what happens is you you present that design to a client or to a, a business peer that they have other you know priorities in mind and i think um, what i always try to encourage my designers to do is Start bringing a little bit of that language. The same way you always, you know, put yourself in the user's shoes. What if you started bringing a little bit of your client's language, of your business peers' language into the way you present your work, right? Like, of course, you should still be focusing on what the user is doing, what the user is feeling, what the user, you know, the user's wants and needs. But what if you started including a little bit of how that, design decision you made is actually going to impact sales or how it's going to impact, you know, um, awareness, uh, like, or bringing new people into the app or whatever the, the business KPI is. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of a, they come to me with that first layer layer of what users want. And I always try to push, you know, push back and challenge them a little bit with, okay, but, What else? What does that mean for the business, right? How does that affect uh, our clients' uh, uh, jobs? And um, and then it becomes a conversation from there, right? It becomes a, mm -hmm. a little bit of a negotiation, I guess. Okay, so now specifically, when, when you get to the business side, I think, I mean, in theory, it, it sounds great. Where it can get complicated or we can somebody who is trying this exercise for the first time and maybe doesn't have as much experience in business as you do with 10 plus years of experience, mm -hmm. then they don't have the mental models or the examples to even understand what advantages and disadvantages from the business side are. So I'm wondering like if mm -hmm. you are in this position, a designer with very limited you know, experience in the business world, how do you even mm -hmm. have that starting point to ha start having this discussion? It's a good point. I think, uh, It starts with knowing, like it's 
asking the basic questions, right? Like, so, okay, so you work at this company and they are asking you to redesign this screen or to redesign this website, whatever. Why? Right? Like, why is someone spending dollars and spending money and paying your salary and paying a lot of other people to redesign the screen? Right? Like, what? Why? There must be a reason, right? They're either going to sell more or they're either going to bring more people into the experience or they're going to become more famous as a brand, right? They're going to, it's going to create awareness for the brand. Like there must be a reason, like it's a logic question to ask. Okay. So then you understand the basic uh, business goal of doing that thing you're Mm -hmm. doing, right? So now go one step deeper and start asking questions about, okay, so you want to bring more users to the app. Great. Um, How many users? What types of users? How many times a day? Uh, How do you see them starting their engagement with the app in the first place? Like, it's all about asking why, right? I know it's cliche, but it's all about asking why. So I feel like sometimes people feel afraid of talking about business because there's so so much pressure in oh business like oh yeah like i i have to study three years to be able to understand business not really like try to ask the basic question of why are they paying me to do this and then if you keep asking those tiny tactical day-to-day questions i feel like you're gonna have a pretty solid understanding of what the business need is, right? What the business needs are. And just keep those in mind as you design what you're designing, right? I guess that's my simplest possible articulation of uh, what that means, right? What it means to bring business thinking into design. It's a great point because if you ask why, then you almost get to the goal of somebody hiring you or the goal of that project or whatever. And that's usually tied to the business. And then if you dig... Uh, deep enough, you're going to find that even the vocabulary, but also the rationale is going to help you with your design process. And one exercise that I like to use in such examples is, Mm -hmm. I don't even know how it's called, but I call it profit tree. So basically you write on a board profit on one side, and then you have two arrows on one side, it's revenue. And the second side, it costs. Uh, Mm -hmm. Usually you either want to, you know, increase revenue or decrease costs. And then from there, you can just, you know, draw the sticks and see actually, okay, the cost come from, these are the fixed costs we have. These are the variable mm-hmm. costs. The revenue comes from having this many users paying this. And then at the end, it's always, you know, it's somewhere in that tree that you are working on and you're, you're trying to mm-hmm. optimize that one thing. And if you find it, it's going to be so much easier to understand the whole ecosystem of that company and also the whole business model. Yeah, yeah. And, and this tree you mentioned, that's one way of doing it, right? I, I'm not a big fan particularly of like, oh, which which framework yeah, do you yeah. use or <laughs> which template do you use? Because yeah, it doesn't matter. you're a designer. It doesn't matter. You're a designer. You're supposed to be able to solve problems. Mm-hmm. And if you have the right architectural thinking that's required to be a designer these days, mm-hmm. you will figure out this tree or you will figure out what the right framework yeah. is for your project, right? So... Yeah, I try to, I think 
it's it's more about understanding the rationale and the reasons than understanding how um, to do certain things, right? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think all the canvases and tools that are coming up, they sometimes are a distraction. I think they are yeah. helpful to the point where you can start and you can start understanding mm -hmm. something. You know, in the beginning, yeah. we were all in love with the business model generation, uh, sorry, business mm -hmm. model canvas. But then once yeah, you yeah. understand the um, mechanics and the rationale behind it, you can start creating your own uh, models yeah. that you want. But I, so to, to put it this way, I think it's helpful in the beginning so you know how to start. But then once you understand the, the basics, you can do whatever you want. 100% agree, especially because like you use it once and then it's not going to be perfect, right? So you're going to learn how this certain canvas model, whatever, didn't work for you. And the next project you're going to be working on, you're going to eventually try to improve on it, exactly. right? You're going to create your own version of that. And that's, and that's how you evolve as a designer, I guess. And that's why there are so many variations of all these canvases. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Hey, that was a really cool discussion, uh, Fabrizio. Thanks for that. I just have yeah. one or two closing questions. Uh, the first okay. one actually comes from an article you wrote uh, about, mm -hmm. I think it was something along the lines of, uh, don't ask me if UX actually exists. There are much better questions to ask about UX. And when, uh, one of them was, uh, when was the last time you were afraid of making a work-related decision? Oh, wow. You're throwing it back to me now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess it was the last time I changed jobs. Um, you know, there's always that. Mm. that That's the obvious feeling one, yeah. of, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm making the right decision. Yes or no. And yeah. But so changing jobs, I'm sure, yeah, was the last one I had. Uh, thanks for asking, though. <laughs> but was there anything, anything more? Not, uh, I would, I would maybe even call this one career related. But I meant like you know, on your day to day job. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess it was about maybe uh, firing someone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard one. That's always a tough decision to make as well. Uh, yeah. Okay. We don't of course, I'm not going to give more that. details than that, but <laughs> but yeah, I think that was the last, you know, uh, work-related decision. Okay. Day, day decision that I had to make. Yeah, yeah. Let's leave it at that. So the last question: <laughs> uh, Where can yep. listeners find more about you, the UX Collective, or your work in general? Oh yeah, uh, I'm all over the internet. Yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, you. I mean, you I are, think the best. Uh, I'll put the links <laughs> to everything you say now in, in, also on the website. <laughs> right. Thank you. Uh, I think uh, the best place to start is UX Collective. Uh, it's uxdesign.cc. And you can also find me uh, on my website, fabricio.org. And I guess a medium. Uh, yeah, my medium handle is fabricio.t. And I think we can go from there. Um, I'm publishing new stuff every week. And um, yeah, I, I love to get people's feedback on the things I write. So if anyone has a feedback, they can find your email somewhere online. Oh, right? yeah, so <laughs> on my website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks again, cool. Fabrizio, for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
Yeah, this is great. Thanks for the questions and thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. Cool. That's it in today's episode. If you do like this show or this episode, I kindly ask you to consider leaving a review or a comment on iTunes or any other podcast app for that matter. Um, This really helps me a lot in getting great guests and also um, it helps other listeners find this show easier on these crowded uh, podcasts apps. And again, if you're interested in how to measure design, to basically show the value of your design work to non-designers and to also know yourself how you're doing, like how you can track the progress of your work, head to beyondusers.com and there you can sign up for a five-day free email course and um, in there you will learn what design metrics are, how you can use them on your projects and um, you'll also get to download a free design metric canvas which is a framework that you can use in your projects to identify all the appropriate and necessary metrics. So for that, head to beyondusers.com. Cool, that's it for today. Thanks for your attention and see you soon.